Welcome to the Further North Podcast, your weekly dose of the North Melbourne Footy Club. My name is Josh, and this is a fan-run podcast doing match previews, reviews, and everything north. Let's get it started. Alrighty guys, here we go. We've done the trip to the Cattery. We've gone down to Geelong. We've gone down the road. Um, and we got through it. We got through it. I think that's the only positive really to bring from this week. Um, we're going to review the game. Uh, I'm going to give you some positives and negatives. We're going to do all that sort of stuff like usual. Um, I decided this week, instead of asking you guys a question, that'll be back next week. So I'm really sorry I didn't get your thoughts because you know I love to hear them. I think I'm just going to talk about where I honestly feel like the team's at um, and just give you some raw emotion um, and some critical thinking, to be honest, because we all want to be positive, but when there's not positives to say, um, I don't want to pretend they're there. And I know that's not what happens on this podcast a lot of the time, but let's try and figure out how much our optimism for the future is real and how much maybe we try and ignore or put to the side how bad we are now. I think those questions will be answered in the next few weeks. We'll chat about that as well. But this game, we go down to the Cats by 62 points, 125 to 63. Now, if you listen to my preview podcast, I predicted we were going to get absolutely belted. I did say I think it could be the biggest loss of the year. Obviously didn't turn out to be that way, but still a very poor performance and 62 points is a lot. That's 10 goals. So yeah, not much to really get excited about from that scoreline. But how did the game play out? We'll get there in a second. So on Thursday or Friday, I think, because it was an extended squad, um, we got the squad announced to us who's going to be in and out. So as we know, in came Lockie Young, Cooper Harvey, Tristan Jerry, and Flynn Perez. Out went Jack Zebel, Liam Shields, Todd Goldstein, Miller Bergman, and Will Phillips. What did I think about these? Well, Lockie Young being back in, I think he deserves a chance. Wasn't exciting, didn't really excite me. Um, Lockie Young had a decent second half of the year last year, but... You know, is he going to be the guy to come in and suddenly make our defense good or give us runoff half back? Not really, but look, I'm glad he got a shot. Um, they really pumped this up in the uh, <clears throat> in the the posts they did on social media. If you look on the North Melbourne um, Instagram page, they've tagged the location as Lockie's place. So I wonder, I wonder what Lockie Young's been doing around the club to get that sort of love. Um, and yeah, they said he's locked in like this was a big return of Lockie Young. Um, didn't really feel that way. Like I said, uh, it's fine, but, um, I think we should make a bigger deal about Cooper Harvey, maybe in the captions and everything, but maybe the social media team didn't have any good puns. Uh, but anyway, look, let's not judge the social media team. Let's judge the on-field performance. Uh, Cooper Harvey in, cool. Happy with that. Tristan Jerry in. We've talked about Tristan Jerry a lot on this podcast. Um, I know that there's massive Tristan Jerry fans out there. I know I've doubted him. 
But I was happy to see him come into the team, especially after his great performance in the VFL. Um, and Flynn Perez, no, he's not good. So I, I don't know why he got another chance. I don't know what he, he hasn't really lit up the VFL. There's other players. I'd legitimately pick Dan Howe over him. Um, no questions asked really for me. But yeah, not excited about that. He's no good. So, um, But hey, here he is playing on the team. For the outs, Jack Zebel, don't agree with that one. I think he has been a little bit shakier in the last couple of weeks, but he still takes a lot of intercept marks and gives us some actual leadership on the field. Um, I see people getting on Jack Zebel recently because now everyone's gone from, oh my God, Jack Zebel, what a great year he's having. We should give him another contract. I thought he'd be done. I didn't think he'd make it. And now everyone's like, oh, he's old. You know, he, he can't kick properly. Get him out of the team. We need, to, we need to think more rationally, guys. We need to think more rationally about this. Majority of the games this year have been good. He's been a little bit down on form. Um, but I think he brings too much to the team with such a young group of players. So I didn't like that Zebel was dropped. He was the sub and obviously came on earlier than expected. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of in Jack Zebel's corner. Liam Shields, uh, I think he had an injury or something like that. So I understand. Goldstein, yeah, I can see why giving Jerry a chance after his VFL performance um, was probably the call. Goldstein has sort of been run ragged the last couple of weeks. Um, spoiler alert, I do hope he's back in next week for the Hawks. Miller Bergman, yeah, once like Jack Zebel, had a couple of down weeks. Got too much potential for me to be dropping him and playing guys like Perez and Lockie Young over him. So um, didn't like that one. And Will Phillips, I mean, he got a black eye, but... I don't know why you drop him. Um, Yeah, very confusing at the selectors table this week. So I'm confused, but hey, everyone seemed to be very excited about how young this team was, but I don't get excited by that. I don't care if there's a bunch of young guys on the field. We need guys like Shields or Zebel or Goldstein in there for leadership and for guidance. I really do think that's a massive thing. Miller Bergman and Will Phillips are more talented than a bunch of these names that are in the starting 22. Um, so they should not be getting dropped. But hey, well, like I said, here we are. And look at the score. It was great. So let's do some positives and some negatives from the game. We're going to go positives first and then we're going to get into some negatives. And then I'm going to have a little chat about the team. We may as well just do it all in one go. But look, let's try and reek some positives out of this one. Cooper looks like a player. First touch, goal assist. Uh, I think he was involved in another goal, in our other goal in the first quarter as well. Um, He just looks like a player, just like when Wardlaw came in and you go, yeah, that guy is going to be an AFL player, like a lot of guys lack on our team. He has that. He's built right. He has good disposal. Um, I like he sort of attacked the contest. He faded away towards the end of the game, obviously kicked his first goal, which was amazing. And I'm so happy to see that. But, yeah, I liked his debut. I think he stays in the team for next week. Yeah, he looks like a player. He looks like It looks like we found someone else, which, I mean, we need all the help we can get. Uh, and the energy that we came out with in the first maybe only five minutes or so. But after five or ten minutes, I was sitting there going, we're, we're, when we're sort of in and around it. I Once again, the Cats were always going to win this game and – they definitely kicked away 
But we were linking up. We were first to contest. We were tackling. We seemed to come out with energy and that died incredibly quickly. But I liked seeing that effort just needs to be for more than 10 minutes. In that first quarter and probably the second half as well, definitely in the second half as well, if we get this ball past our halfway line, if we can win a clearance or get it in our forward half, I think we do all right with the ball. You know, we're just as efficient as other teams when we go into our forward 50. We just never go in there. But if I'm going to drag a positive out of this, uh, I think that, yeah, once we got it past our halfway point, I, I think we looked like doing something or we were a threat. But it's a pretty empty compliment. But we're doing everything we can. I guess the only other thing besides individual players, which we'll talk about some, the only individual thing I can really, um, the only other thing, sorry, that I can really pull out of this one is our second half. We sort of matched them as much as we could. And if we played like that for the whole game, we maybe go down by 25 to 30 points. Um, It's easy to say the Cats just sort of cruised the rest of the game. They probably did. But I guess it, that second half almost was like, oh, but we tried hard. And I'm, I'm kind of sick of that at this point, to be honest. Um, we've lost so many games in a row. Uh, we've lost more games in a row or the same amount as West Coast or something like that. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to let my head go down a dark tunnel of despair. Um, but our second half was better. We showed something. But once again, too little, too late. Let's talk about a few uh, individual players. LDU, I really liked his game. He sort of was the only shining light, maybe along with Zerha going into the middle, which we'll talk about. But LDU was our best player on the day. Kicked a goal, I think 28 touches. I think he got the most clearances for us, or maybe it was Greenwood, but he got the cleanest clearances for us. Um, and every time he was around the ball, he, he sort of looks like he's getting back to that form of the start of the year, which we desperately, desperately need. Um, Cam Zerha thrown into the middle for some impact. I loved that move. Um, he in the second half was one of the reasons why we looked a little bit more competitive or at least not like complete and total pushovers in the middle of the ground, him being able to push up an impact, you know, you got to take the good with the bad with Zerha, but he made an impact on this game and I thought he had a real impact and I thought he was good. So that's a move I'd like to see happen more. And especially next week when we need something, that move has to happen earlier. I think if we come out and by the end of the first quarter, we've given up by 50 points again, which was pathetic. Um, so that move is one that needs to be, you know, made earlier. One of the players I'll talk about uh, as well, this should probably be in the negatives, I guess, but I felt like at the start of the game, I put it in the positives. Taron Thomas was around everything, but he didn't do anything. Like he's clean with the ball, but his lack of impact on contests was very frustrating. I originally put him in the positives, but by the end of the game, I was sort of like, the guy won't even like bump someone or tackle someone properly. So <laughs> I did take him off the list of positives, but I just thought I'd talk about that um, before I forget. Eddie Ford. Eddie Ford took a couple of good contested marks, kicked a really nice goal. I just think when he's around the footy, He's clean and he does AFL quality things. I would love to find a way to get this guy around the ball more. You can't just move everybody into the midfield and I don't think he goes off half back, but I guess he will flourish 
when our team is able to get the ball and move forward more. Um, but I like him on that wing. I like him playing that wing role, pushing back, pushing forward. I thought he had a good game. So well done to Eddie Ford. Um, really holding his spot in that team. And, you know, I wish other guys in the team could take a, a position uh, in our 22 by the horns and just be like, no, this is mine, like he did to Curtis Taylor. Um, I've put Harvey in there as well. Look, not an amazing debut, but solid enough. Um, and I think he plays next week. But it's good to see him on the field. And I think, yeah, he is an AFL player. He was strong in a couple of contests. He didn't get pushed around. Did kick a good goal from outside 50. And seems like when he got the ball, he was looking around to make the right decisions, which just shows he's got some IQ. So, yeah, I think Harvey had a decent enough um, debut. So that's why I've sort of chucked him in the positives. Like I said, nothing to write home about, but um, looks like an AFL player. And the last guy I've got in the positives here is Bailey Scott. Um, his good form's just continuing, really, and we really need to be doing his efforts justice. Um, he runs his guts out every week. He's always around the packs. He always makes clean disposals, one-two handballs, tries to push us forward. Um, if only we had some more competent AFL players on the field or on the team, uh, he would be one of the best wingers in the league, I think. Maybe that's me being a North Homer, but hey, it's North Melbourne podcast, so it's mine. I can say what I want. Uh, but yeah, word on Bailey Scott. Word on Bailey Scott. That's about all, really, I've got uh, to say with the positives. Um, good job on, for those players at least turning up. Um, and we're going to go through the negatives now. I'm going to consolidate these as much as I can because I don't want to be going on big rants. Um, but hey, I hope you guys like listening to this. Um, one question I might put out on the social medias is after we lose big games like this or lose by big margins like this, what do you guys want out of this podcast? Because I feel like it's getting a bit old week after week, me trying to farm any positive out of the game and then just talking about a lot of negatives. Um, I want to be able to mix it up and keep this as fresh for you guys as humanly possible. So I might put that in uh, a post on Facebook or Instagram if you guys listen to this and for some reason I've forgotten, please message me and tell me what you would like um, in these podcasts when we do lose by big margins because it's going to happen for the next few years still. So, yeah, let me know what content you guys would like in this scenario. When we win a game again, if we win a game ever again, it's going to be great. We're going to get heaps of listens. I'm going to be happy, excited. We're going to get guests on and, you know, all going to celebrate how great we are. But that's not that time right now. So, yeah, let me know. Uh, Further North Pod on Instagram, Further North Podcast uh, on Facebook as well. So right in there. I did make, what do they call it now? Hang on, let me find. Threads. Uh, I made a threads thing on Instagram. I don't know what it is. It just seems like Twitter. I got no idea what Twitter is. You guys know that. Um, but if you are using threads, follow uh, Further North Podcast on threads. And I'm going to try and do some threads through the games that we can all comment on and that sort of stuff. So if I can figure out how to use it, but yeah, please follow me there. I'm so, so lonely. Okay, negatives, negatives, negatives. We just ran out of players around the contest and this is happening week after week after week. Um, the Cats are really good at this and look, let's not take out a contest. We did play the Cats and people can be like, oh, but they were ninth or 10th. You know, they're not the Cats of old. Well, they're pretty good, all right, and we're pretty bad. So, um, 
<clears throat> it would not surprise me at all if the Cats got into the grand final this year. Um, so let's not underestimate the opposition. But we just got swarmed. Um, the skill errors and things like that around the packs, the bounce of the ball um, didn't go our way, but Geelong had so many players around the ball and the contests at all times that we just didn't have any answers. They were walking it out of our forward line for fun. And uh, there was a couple of times where I felt like they were really taking the piss, which is what we'll talk about. But um, we just ran out of players around contests and they found it so easy to just get out of contest go to the wing, go through the corridor and enter it into that Ford 50. And when you enter it that many times, um, you're going to score a heap of points. The next point here is our heads dropped so quick. Like I said, in the positives, I think we came out really strong and with heaps of energy. And as soon as they kicked two or three in a row, our heads just dropped so quick. And I get it. If you've been on this team for like five years, you're just so used to losing and you know what happens next. And I don't know, I don't fully blame the players for that. If you have the same thing week after week after week for years, what are you going to do? What, what do you think is going to happen? You're trying your hardest every week, but the team's just not good enough. It hasn't had good enough coaching. And I think it's going to take a long, long, long time to get that culture out of our team. I can fully see next year as well. When we do get a few goals behind, our heads will still drop because they're used to it. And then that's got to somehow be squeezed out of this team and just shot in a back alleyway, to be honest. But that sort of negativity is ingrained in the culture at the moment. And that might be tough to hear, but it is. Losing is ingrained in North Melbourne's culture at this very second. And you can tell there was a free, there was a ball that bounced up in the air, got kicked straight up in the air. And there was three North Melbourne players around it. Nobody jumped. LD, you had the perfect position to be able to grab that ball and handball to one of his teammates. This is in the first or early second quarter. And he didn't even bother. They just waited till it hit the ground and Geelong ran away with the ball. We just looked at the ball. It just, it was such a poor effort. Let's talk about the midfield and let's talk about the ruck situation. We got absolutely destroyed out of the middle. The center clearances at the end of the game were 20 to 4. We got four center clearances for the entire game. Now, Tristan Jerry, I'm glad he was back in the team and I want him to be good. But he was absolutely woeful in this game. I've never seen a man who's two metres tall with such massive arms, get bullied by De Koning and Blitzarves in the ruck. Absolutely bullied. And every time he got a hit out, because we won the hit outs for the game. And when he got a hit out, it went directly to a Cats player. He would just slap that thing behind his head and not know what's going on. The midfielders are part to blame here because they have to communicate about where they want that tap. But My God, that was awful. And I hope Goldstein comes back in next week. I'm not against Jerry playing, but I think against the Hawks, a game that we could possibly win, even though I don't feel like that's very possible right now, we need a real Ruckman in there for now. Jerry can play most games in the back half of the year, but the games we've got a shot of winning, we need to identify them and we need to play Goldstein in those games. Goldstein has to play against the Hawks has to play against the Eagles. 
I think we got the Gold Coast in last round as well. Play him then. We need to win games. Jerry needs more time, and he's clearly not up to it yet. I would like Jerry to get a run in this team, though, for the rest of the year. In the majority of the other games, we cannot have someone turning up like that and being that poor in the ruck. So does that make sense? I'm not saying Jerry's a bust, and I'm not saying that I don't want him to succeed. I hope you guys understand what I'm saying about the winnable games because we need to win games. Honourable losses aren't good enough anymore and I'm kind of done with it. I hope that makes sense. I'm sure you guys will message me if you disagree. I'm happy to chat about it. But um, Jerry was awful and we need Goldstein back for games we can win. But Jerry needs game time as well and to get more confidence because I think he can be good. But he drops marks and... Everyone talks about how he likes to throw his weight around. He didn't do that at all. He, he's, he's surely got like 20 kilos on Deconing. So anyway, I won't keep going on. Um, I've already talked about them walking it out of our forward line for fun. Here's something interesting. There was a moment in the second quarter when the Cats had it in their 50 and they just kept passing it around. No one wanted to take a shot. There was three players who had the ball to be able to take a shot and no one did it. I can't remember who started with the ball. They kicked it to Hawkins. Then they kicked it to somebody else in the forward line, all being like, oh, you you take a shot. No, you take a shot. They were absolutely taking the piss, and it was embarrassing and disrespectful. It really honestly was. I've never seen something so disrespectful to the other team in my life on a football field. It ended with them miskicking the ball, and we I think we either marked it or went through for a behind or something like that, and we cleared it. We probably turned it over and they probably got a goal, but I hated seeing that. That just shows what the rest of the league thinks about this team right now. And I hope Brett Ratton sits in whatever film room they've got and shows them that throughout the week and goes, do you guys want to be laughed at and taken the piss out of like that ever again? Because they better not. Because that outraged me. And you can tell I'm already getting grumpy now. I'm getting angry. <laughs> And I'm starting to, I'm pointing my finger here and I'm pointing at the wall saying it's the wall's fault, it's your bloody fault. But that was just a joke. Um, there was no respect for the opposition there. And why would they? Why would they? Because we didn't deserve it. But I hated seeing that. And that should really hit home to some of these players. We took three marks inside 50 for the entire game. I'm not sure what's worse, three marks inside 50 or four center clearances. That is just so pathetic. And obviously clearances directly correlate to marks inside forward 50 a lot of the time. That's just so, so poor. One of them was just a Zerha sort of blaze away and Mark, Larky marked one. Um, I don't really remember the others, to be honest, because I feel like we barely had the ball, but... Yeah, that is atrocious. And I'm really not sure how we fix any of this. Um, when our midfield doesn't fire, we are shocking. I think our forwards are decent and I think we've got the right people there. Our backline's atrocious and look, we'll, I guess we'll talk about that. But yeah, three marks inside 50 is nowhere near good enough. Um Coleman Jones, my guy, and I'll always back him, but he needs to start stepping up in the forward line and taking some of those marks like he did when he came back in. Um, the games against the Pies, the Swans, the Bombers, he was great, and he gave us an outlet and something we needed. I think I, I can remember him taking one mark this game. 
So he really needs to step up. Uh, we lost the tackle count and we barely had the ball. The Cats had more disposals, more time with the ball, more kicks, more handballs, all that sort of stuff. They had more of the ball. The ball was in their hands for the majority of the game. And we lost the tackle count, especially in that first quarter. The amount of times we could have got a holding the ball decision and Taron Thomas would try and tackle someone or Charlie Lazaro would try and tackle someone and they'd like half tackle them. And I don't know if this is because the tackle rules in the game these days are so soft, people are scared to rip someone to the ground. And I do think that's partly got something to do with it. And I hate the dangerous tackle rule. But, my God, we couldn't stick a tackle to save our lives, especially in that first half. So, losing the tackle count and time in possession is pretty poor. So, once again, another thing that needs to be drummed into these guys, which surely would have been already, so I don't, I don't know how to fix it. Uh, one more, and then we'll get into some individual players. Uh, the Griffin Logue injury, that's awful. Um, we need Griffin Logue so bad. Um, I know that he can be a bit outlandish and a bit rash, but that means Aiden Core is going to continuously play. Aiden Core, I thought, was actually sort of fine today. I'm not going to say he was good because we get into this habit with our team. When a player's not awful, that means, oh, they weren't as bad. No, he still wasn't great, but he's going to have to be playing a key defender role for the next, probably the remainder of the season. Brett Ratton did say in the press conference that Griffin looks like he's going to miss a significant chunk of footy. We don't know what that is, but if it's a knee, he's going to be out for a while and out for the games that we can win like West Coast and maybe Hawthorne. So that's not good. That means Aiden Kaur is going to have a more prominent role, um, which is not really good for anybody. So yeah, I really wish we came out of this game with no injuries. That's what I was praying for. Um, I did see someone comment and say Simpkin um, as well um, is going to miss next week because of concussion protocol as well. Um, I don't remember that actually, which is very strange. But um, if that is true, yeah, once again, not good. Um, Why couldn't someone who's awful get concussed? But here we go. Um, All right, individual players. We've talked about Jerry. I don't want to keep harping on about him. Perez, just not an AFL footballer for me. Um, just go to the twos and stay there, please. Um, I'd rather play Zeeble. I'd probably ra- I'd rather play Lockie Young as well. Um, I don't, I don't get it with Perez. I really, really don't. I know some people in the North community back him and, you know, I wish I did too, but I don't, I don't see it. I don't get it. He kicked a nice goal and that's fine. Um, but realistically he's not up to scratch. Um, I've been a Luke McDonald defender recently. And I'm sort of done now with Luke McDonald. Um, the guy can't kick to save his life. Um, he can't tag anybody at all. He can't stop any small forward from kicking goals. He turns the ball over coming out of the back line so much. Um, I don't really remember a kick where he hit a target. He just laces that thing on his boot and sends it as far as he can. The one thing I'd say about Jack Zebel, which is one of the next guys we'll talk about is when Zebul kicks the ball, at least he kicks it away from danger. It might not be accurate and it might go to an opposition player, but at least it's 50 metres down the field. Luke McDonald tries to clear it as blindly as Zebul does, but he'll kick it 15, 20, 25 metres and it goes straight back over his head. I don't know what to do because a lot, like, we're not going to have Simkin, 
next week, apparently, uh, I guess we can't drop McDonald. I guess how embarrassing is that, dropping a captain? Zeeble, I'd like Zeeble to play next week, but he didn't have a great game. Who have we got? Who are leading? Who's leading this team? I genuinely think Larky may as well be captain or LDU or somebody like that. Some consistent performers. I love Simpkin as a captain. I think he speaks well. I think he leads the club and I think he cares about it, but he needs to be in, in more impactful in games. So, yeah, I'm a bit lost on the leadership situation, but that's another topic for another week. Jack Siebel again. Um, takes some good intercept marks, always puts his body on the line. I don't want Zeebel out of this team. I do think he's important to us and I'd be playing him over most of the other defenders in the back line. Um, but he does blaze away a lot. So I didn't think he had a great game, but not as bad as the other guys. The other one's Charlie Lazaro I've written here. I think we all want Lazaro to be good. Sort of like Perez and like Kane Turner and Phoenix Spicer and Curtis Taylor and all these other guys. Um, he's just not good enough for the AFL. If it wasn't North or West Coast or maybe Hawthorne that he was playing for, he's not getting a game. So um, Lazaro, I think, could be a good sub, maybe, but I'd still probably play Daniel Howe over him. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, but at least Daniel Howe's got a bit more AFL experience. Um, Daniel Howe cost us games at the start of the year and I've ranted and raved about, or raved, no, sorry, I've just ranted about him. Um, but I don't know. I think he's a better AFL footballer than Lazaro. Not saying he's good, but I just think he's got a bit more experience in the level. So if we're going to have some stragglers getting into this team just because of injuries, we may as well get someone with some experience. I know everyone wants to play the young guys, and I know everybody wants to set out 23, 20-year-olds, 20 but that's just not going to work. So it is what it is. And that's the negatives, guys. That is the negatives. So hopefully you understand my point of view. Um, I just needed a little bit of a vent this episode. Once again, I'm sorry I didn't get your questions this week. I, I just don't know what to – I just hate putting out, give me your thoughts uh, or, you know, ask me some questions about the game, and it's just negative every single week. Um, we can all see the glaring problems. I don't, I don't need to talk about the same things over and over again, but I guess it's just trying to make some content for you guys. So I hope you understand. Um, I'll always ask for your thoughts um, when there's stuff to I want to dig into and I want to know your thoughts about, but it's just another poor performance like the week before, um, and I don't really want to rehash the, all the old feelings. I hope that me talking about the positives and negatives from the game reflect your feelings as well. Um, because surely that's what I saw of the game and a lot of those negatives are so blatantly obvious. Hopefully you guys agree as well. Um, I guess just to talk about the club a little bit in general, I'm really torn if I'm happy or not about this season. The games we went at the start of the year, we didn't play great. We, we, we grit and grind. We got the wins just over the line. And then we were awful again. And we, we come against the Swans, Wardlaw's first game. We play great. Then we back it up with a good performance against Collingwood. Then we back it up against the Bombers. Then we get done by the Giants. And come back against the Bulldogs. And we were good again. And now we've had two games in a row of shockers. And I know I was away to two good teams. But the fight's gone and the fight isn't there every single week. 
I'm really worried how long it's going to take to turn this club around. And I know we want it to be oh, pre-season under Clarko and a couple of draft picks will come in and we'll be fine. The, the young players, some of them will get better, but some of them won't. I really am questioning at the moment if things are going to change because I do think losing is ingrained in what the club this year is sort of doing. Does that make sense? I'm not saying North Melbourne historically is ingrained with losing. We've got great history. We've won premierships. We've had champions of the game. But right now, turning up to that workplace every single day, like after 14 losses in a row or whatever it is, I don't know how you change that mentality. And I I hope Clarkson can be the guy, but I'll believe it when I see it at this point. I think Sheasels and Wardlaws, Bailey Scott, Nick Larkey, LDU, these guys can carry us forward, but my God, we need a lot of turnover. I'd love to go into next season and add a couple of draft picks and sign a free agent or two, and then all these guys we want to be good are really good and we turn it around, but it's not going to happen. We're going to lose Mackay. We're going to lose maybe an LDU. We're going to lose some of these guys in the next few years because we're not going to jump up within a year or two. So... We're not going to be in finals in a year or two anyway, which some people seem to think. So, yeah, I'm a bit lost at the moment as to the direction of the team. I don't think we're moving in the wrong direction, and I do think we'll get there. But as for when or a timeline, I've got absolutely no idea because performances like the last two weeks and the start of the season, it's awful, and I'm kind of sick of it. Honourable losses were nice for a few weeks, but that was only because we got belted by so much before. And yeah, I want to be positive. I love this club so much. We all do, but they're testing me right now. And I'm sort of sick of tuning in the games week after week and watching stuff like that. So I'm not sure how we turn it around. Um, yeah, what do you wear? What else is there to say? So sorry to end on a little bit of a way. We're going to do a little bit more on the podcast, but sorry to sort of dampen the mood with my thoughts. But This is also a place for me to chat about something I love and vent. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Sean Atley Club Champ votes. Uh, LDU gets three. Zerha gets two. And Eddie Ford gets one for me. Um, Bailey Scott may be a bit stiff to miss out on a vote. But LDU is the best on the ground. Um, He does look like a bit of a Rolls Royce for us, even though he's surrounded by a bunch of Nissan Leafs. Um, Zerha's impact on the game I loved. Really good job by him. Deserves the two. And yeah, I don't know. I think Eddie Ford, when he was around the ball, did something and made something happen. Uh, I don't see him getting beaten too often. And I think he just deserved the one. Um, Cooper Harvey, you know, could have got one. Um, Bailey Scott's probably the most stiff to miss out. But um, yeah, Eddie Ford gets the one for me. At the top of the leaderboard now, we've got She's was on 20, Larky's on 15, LDU's third in the Sean Atley Club Champ votes. And He's barely got a vote since the first month of football. So that just sort of shows maybe where the team's at. Um, And Eddie Ford's got his first vote of the year. So good job. Um, Top three is getting close. Let's see how it plays out. Bailey Scott is on six votes as well. So that rounds out the top four. All right. Let's go and have a look at some other games. And we'll do some tips. Um, I'll check some reviews as well. Um, But let's do the tips first. Well, not the tips, but let's review the round. So Thursday night, we had Richmond-Sydney. I think I predicted Richmond in this one. Richmond are underrated. They're better than what they showed at the start of the year. 
Got really, really close. Richmond kicked, kicked a couple late, but it was only a point with like four or three or four minutes to go. So that was a fun game. Um, Richmond are, yeah, better than they seem, I think. Um, Collingwood just doing Collingwood things on Friday night. The Bulldogs put up a decent fight early, but Collingwood just sort of turn it on when they want. Um, I think I said this in a different podcast, but a lot of people I talked to at the barbershop are sort of saying, oh, yeah, but the Pies are not winning games by heaps. They're, they're sort of just – they're not winning by much. It's like Because they don't need to because they can just cruise and they know that they can win games just by, like, being in third gear. So that's my opinion anyway. Uh, Brisbane and West Coast, I mean, another demolition job for West Coast. Um, Oscar Allen only kicked one, Nick Lucky kicked two this week. So my bet's looking good. Um, so that's a positive from the season so far. Um, I'll try and find the goal-kicking tally so I can see how far Nick Lucky is ahead. But um, Big Ant will be shaking in his boots. Um, but, yeah, Brisbane, another big win. Um, Hawthorne, Giants, GWS by 13. Jeez, I'm glad the Giants won. But once again, Hawthorne being in games and it's going to be a very, very tough game next week for North. Um, I don't know. I was penciling that one in for a win, but I'm not super confident right now. Uh, Saints and who's that team? Melbourne. 21 points to Melbourne. Yeah, the Saints aren't really all that. They started hot. They've sort of dropped. Not as much as years gone by. I think they'll make the eight, but... um, Saints getting outclassed by the Ds. But we know the Ds could turn up next week and get beaten by Gold Coast, so who knows? Um, Port, once again, just they look clearly the second-best team in the league. I hate it, but it is what it is. Uh, the Bombers have beaten the Crows. Uh, seems like it was a pretty good game. The Bombers got out to a big lead um, or a big-ish lead. The Crows sort of fought back a little bit, but um, Bombers are definitely underrated, unfortunately. And currently Carlton is beating Fremantle by 58 points. Uh, it's currently 20 to 78 in the third. So uh, I think we can pencil in uh, a blues a blues win, um, which I'm sure is going to be very exciting for all of the uh, all of the blues fans because it, it's going to make them feel like they won the grand final. All right, so I'm just looking at the Coleman medal. Nick Larkey's still third in the Coleman. I can't believe that he's third in the Coleman. 44 goals for Nick. Fantastic job. Um, I'm on the Nick Larkey for captain train, I think. I love Simkin, though, so maybe Nick Larkey replaces McDonald's co-captain. Um, but Oscar Allen has 38 and Nick Larkey has 44, so six goals between them. I thought it maybe would be a bit further. I think I thought Larkey was maybe a little bit further ahead. Um, but, yeah, third in the Coleman for Nick. So great job on such a poor team. He can, be, he can win a Coleman one day if we ever get good. So just a quick review as well. Um, Richie on Spotify has said, awesome podcast every time, Josh. You need to tell the listeners the facts about the warlord when his dad almost got to name him. Uh, wow, which I sent you a message on. Yes, absolutely. Hang on, hang on. So Richie messaged me and said, uh, hey, a fact about our warlord is his dad wanted to name him Walter Oliver Wardlaw. So his initials would be wow, but his mum intervened. Uh, but instead, he got George Anthony Wardlaw Gore. Do we start making – We, I mean, the whole crowd can yell out wow uh, every single time he kicks the ball maybe. That could be a thing. Maybe we start that in Bay 29. But uh, thank you for that tidbit of information, uh, Richie. I appreciate it. Um, 
Thank you for bringing me the facts, guys. Thank you for writing in. I'll, I don't know really what this means, but I'll publish your comment you left on Spotify. So thank you for that. Um, and yeah, you can always write in on Spotify, guys, and just leave a little review. Um, five stars, please. I'll always read out what you guys say on there. Apple Podcasts as well, please. Five star reviews. And um, yeah, it just makes the podcast get seen more. So thank you for tuning in all the time, guys, as well. I can only imagine if we're doing this well on a North podcast when we're losing, how massive we will be when we are winning. So once again, thanks heaps for your interaction, guys. I genuinely do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hopefully we're rejoicing a win soon enough. All right, I think that's about it for the week. Um, We might have some Bay 29 news later in the week for the Hawthorne game. So I'll be posting that up and the close to a flag guys uh, will have all the information there as well. Of course, Um, go and follow them. It's always good content and Bay 29 is always fun, win or loss. So um, if we do end up getting that going, get on board, grab your tickets for it. And it's always a fun time uh, to see admin three whipping out some Kanga Kangas. Thank you again, guys. A little bit quicker this week. My brain's fried from watching this team. I love them, but we have the most toxic relationship ever. I think me and the North Melbourne Football Club need to go to marriage counselling. Yeah, I'm going to book that now. Thank you, guys. Talk to you very, very soon in the preview for the big game against the Hawks. Can we win it? Jeez, I hope so. All right, see you, bye. Thanks for listening to the Further North Podcast. We'll be back next week with more great North chat. See you then, Bruce Vance.